Hey, why am I his sidekick, all right? How do you know he's not my sidekick? First off, welcome to Fireside. We'll be talking comic books the entire time. Ain't going nowhere, so dry your eyes. Already lasted longer than Fireflies. Stay tuned, Mickey's got the creepiest news. From books to TV, the movie reviews. Plus the next toy, baby, here we get you. Even the superhero fight club, we usually lose. So pop in those earbuds, turn up those speakers. Feel my most power, earth you with features. Neither listen by weekly or you can binge us. We got it all, baby. Are there Ninjas! So relax and lie back as we start another issue of Fireside Chats. Comic facts and wise cracks. Welcome to the show. This is Fireside Chats. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another issue of Fireside Chats. I'm your host, Mr. Mauer, and with me is my tag team partner from the Fireside Stable. Don't make him get the table. We got the mighty Moshko with me. <laughs> How's everybody doing tonight? Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Yes, you and can. It- in our opponent's corner. First, we have one half of the Kickstarter tag team champions of the world. He's cool as ice cream. He specializes in writing and frightening. We got Dirk Manning. Thank you. That was amazing. I try. But really, the guest of honor, the voice of AEW, and the man who puts butts in seats, living legend, Tony Schiavone. Well, Mr. Maurer, uh, let me say this. I'm not a living legend. I hear that all the time. I'm living. Uh, I don't know how legendary it is, uh, but it's great to be with you. It's great to be with uh, you and Moscow, and it's great to be with Dirk Manning once again because we have done so many podcasts over the last couple of days. I don't know how Dirk can do it. I mean, he's just uh, man, he's just doing so much work. Well, I, I, I'm taking what it. <laughs> <laughs> What I'm doing, Tony, is I, I actually, today is Mike Dawkins' birthday, so I gave him, really? a, I gave him a call, you know, and I'm okay. sure Dawkins will come up inevitably again on somebody this podcast, but uh, Mike Dawkins helped put this together, and he's Tony's lawyer and stuff, and, and he explained this fascinating concept to me, Tony, which has made the whole week more bearable. Uh, it's called billable hours. Have you ever heard of this? <laughs> oh, yeah. I hear it every day from him. It's incredible. So, <laughs> yeah. so you know what? Suddenly, my week's been so, all the time I've spent with you this week. It, it's just been better and brighter. And I hope we yeah. go along today. That's yeah. all I'm so, so, Tony, I know you've worked with Dirk for a while now. I don't know if you've realized this. Whether there's a camera and mic in front of him or not, he's still going to be talking and telling these stories to himself in that room. So it doesn't matter that he's right. on a podcast. He's he's still just going to be talking to himself. Yeah, uh, and I know you're I know you're very familiar with Apple, but every time I go on my iPhone 12 Pro and I see the turd emoji, I think of Dirk. <laughs> that's, 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 well, it's actually been renamed the Dirk emoji. Right. Uh, right. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, I need. He is full of those. You know, he's full of. Okay. I'm um, really able Tony possible scam on my phones whenever I get the message come up. <laughs> We have to congratulate you guys. 15 days into your Kickstarter, you're almost at $104,000, 1,800 backers. Wow. Did you, yeah, I was looking at it. Wow. did you see this catching fire the way it did? Well, I have to defer to Dirk. I did not because the, the talk was, I remember I had uh, been talking to the people at AEW and, um, Tony Condon asked me, he says, so what are you guys, uh, what are you guys trying to hit? And, uh, I, uh, I got in touch with Dirk and Dirk said 20,000. I got in touch with Dawkins. Mike Dawkins said 30,000. That's because he's figuring 10,000 for his own. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I got back with, with Tony and I said, oh, between 20 and 30,000. Well, we blew right past that. And what, what was it? Uh, 387 minutes, I believe. Or 184 yeah, right. minutes. Right. 187 minutes. Well, there you go. Uh, yeah. So I knew so, well, I knew we were on to something. I didn't know it would balloon to this, but I knew it was something uh, pretty special for us. Yeah. It's been amazing to watch as a fan. And we had Dirk on about a month prior to it launching, uh, where we were talking about it. And I know I was all in right from the get-go. Um, we've hit every stretch goal there is. You guys are in the back hooking up to new ones. And we've added a ton of stories into this. And it got me thinking, how did you narrow down the stories in the first place, Tony? Like, you had a career 
going over all of these years in your life. Wrestling fans all over want to know the inside baseball, if you will, of, of your story. How did you guys pick what stories were going to be initially in the book and then the, uh, the stretch goals? Well, the, the, uh, the initial story of, of the book is my career or my journey. I like to say in wrestling, I've, I've done a lot of different things and, uh, there was a, an 18 year hiatus from wrestling, but the fact that I'm not just a guy who started doing wrestling because I happened to be in the right place at the right time, which is the case. That's how I started. But it was also, I, I started doing wrestling because I loved it and I was a big wrestling fan and. Uh, we talk about my wrestling fandom. Uh, we don't really talk about me growing up. It's really like Tony Schiavone from high school on, because that's when I started with wrestling. And so, and then we just to hit the high points of, there have been a, a number of high points about, about me making decisions about which direction my career should go. And we hit those high points and some of the great stories. Uh, and some of the great stories, we also used uh, some of the great stories that would not incriminate me as a person. Um, and there are plenty of those stories uh so we and then uh there was at the end with the stretch goal stories uh i've got tons of those and when when dirk said to me uh, we want some behind the scenes stretch goal stories i went oh boy here we go (laughs) uh how do i do this and what do i do and uh dirk uh famously uh, kept out some of the, uh, the stories that I didn't want, uh, but put in a couple of stories that I think are very, very good. And um, I, I think it's stories that, that people will enjoy and people will uh, see behind the scenes because, you know, I was, when I first started in the business, I was, I was not only uh, an announcer, I, I kind of hung out with the guys because when I first started in the business, those guys were kind of my age, you know, back in the 80s. And so I had a lot of stories to tell because I hung out with them and I wouldn't have those stories today. I have some stories, but not as funny or not as revealing. So, uh, that's how we decided on that. But I think the, the simple story of me and wrestling and the, the things that I went through to get into wrestling and to get back into wrestling, uh, seemed to be a pretty interesting story. You know, you know most people are, are bored with their own lives, uh, I, I live a very boring existence right now, I think, with the exception of every Wednesday when I do Dynamite and every Monday when we do uh, now Elevation. But other than that, uh, I thought my story was pretty boring, but talking to Dirk and, and Drina, uh, they seemed to think that I had something to say, um, and uh, it all worked out. And apparently there's a lot of people out there that want to see it, and there's a lot of comic book fans out there as well that want to see it, which is, I think it's good. I think we're... We're uh, getting to wrestling fans and getting to comic book fans both. Yeah, it's with this book telling a lot of behind the scenes. I don't think it would have happened 10, 15, 20 years ago because kayfabe was so strong that you would have telling these behind the scenes stories would have would broken everybody's minds. Now, with all these podcasts we're already seeing behind the scenes, whether you're right. for it or against it. Um, yeah. What school are you sitting in right now? Are you team kayfabe or are you team let the fans see, you know, the magic mix and the, the secret recipe? Well, I, I'm kind of both. I, I listen, if kayfabe was still alive, but we wouldn't be having these stories because that's the way I approached the business. I was told to respect it. I was told to, uh, you know, it's your livelihood, respect it, respect the, what the effort the guys put into it. And I felt that when I first started in wrestling, which was 1983 and k was still alive, that I felt like I was in this secret club now and I wanted to honor that. So had that still been going on, it would have been impossible for it to go on with the internet. Uh, but had that uh, gone still been going on, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. I respect that. I, I look at two things. You know, we have a AEW uh, a podcast called Unrestricted. And then we have our show and we very much do both. We talk to uh, the talent as a person, which everybody's got a pretty interesting story about how they got into wrestling. Most do. And then when we go on and do our dynamite, you know, we, we, we kayfabe everything. Um, 
I mean, it'd be, it'd be a very easy, for, but it would have been very easy for me to say, I got a special surprise tonight, guy on dynamite, guys and I on dynamite. Sting's going to come here. No one knows that. Do they? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but I didn't. And, uh, and, and we're even approached on the TV shows, uh, with Tony Khan. He doesn't tell us what's going on. We have announcer meetings like at six thirty at night before an eight o'clock show. And he just kind of goes over the show. And we just kind of react to what's going on. Now, if there's something they want us to act exactly say, they'll smarten us up. But normally, they want us to react as you would react at home uh, when you see something surprising happen. And and so I, I'm into that. I got it. But I would have been, I would have been Mr. K. Fay because I think I was all these years, and I was very proud of it. There's a chapter in the book, in fact, about that. Uh, you know, uh, the chapter that John Marroquin draws is called "The Day the K. Fabe Died." And it's about Tony's experience with Jim Crockett promotions. And, and to me, this was one of the most, this I think is one of the stories, you know, going back to what you asked earlier about the stories in the book, I was most interested in is when did, what, what was Tony's reaction when he crossed over growing up as a fan, like a lot of us did. And I don't want to give too much away from that specific scene, but literally like going up to like the big steel door and like, okay, now you're going to see things here, but you can't ever, you know, you, you gotta, you gotta honor the business, you gotta honor the boys young Tony's like, okay, okay. You know, and they open the big steel door, you and there's all the wrestlers hanging out, the faces, the heels, everybody, you know, and that's all part of what we talk about in the book, which I think shows that respectful behind the scenes peak, because, you know, and and again, I think Tony alluded to this a little bit too. We definitely weave in and out of like the, the business of wrestling as well as, you know, the, the performance of wrestling, but, but we do, we stay very respectful to it. This is not a, uh, a hit. It's not a smear on anybody. It's not a dirt. It's not a dirt book. You know, it's not like you're going to get all this dirt on everybody, but it does talk about things like what was happening during, uh, Tony's time with WCW or with WWF at the time, even, you know, and how did he get involved in AEW and things like that? But we do stay, we do stay respectful to it. You know, you don't want to go out there and really bury anybody, but also being realistic about here's some of the politics that were going on to led to these things happening. So it's, I think it's going to weave a very interesting story for anybody who, well, I think everybody in the United States has a familiarity with wrestling, at least. So to get to see some of that behind the curtain stuff, but also following it through Tony's journey um, as a, as a guy who's been with almost every major promotion in the United States at one point, you know, we haven't, we joke, we haven't hit him with a steel chair yet or, uh, you know, threw him on the thumbtacks to, with the ECW. <laughs> right. I'm talking to Ryan yeah. to get a spear to get a spear in there <laughs> so we can kind of complete the full, the full circle, but uh, <laughs> get a scaffold match. But um, so, so it's interesting. And, and I think that even, people who aren't overly invested in wrestling, like just comic fans are going to really enjoy that kind of weaving through this whole story. And then seeing these touchstone moments, whether it be the butts and seats moment or whether it be, Oh my gosh, that's sting or Oh my gosh, that's Hulk Hogan or that's Mick Foley. And, you know, or, or to some of the AW stuff, Oh, there's Cody Rhodes, you know, and, and seeing how all this, or even non Direct wrestling personality, Conrad Thompson's in the book. He's a big part of Tony's life and where he is now, or Ric Flair, and you, know, you can go on and on. So it, I, I think people are going to, from both camps, are going to find a lot to, to enjoy in this. Yeah, I mean, and seeing, it is nice seeing Kayfabe live with the guys like MGF, MJF mm. and him living it. And even Darby Allen bringing his life and his persona so close to each other that he's blurring the lines all the time. Um, right. It really has been, you know, with AEW getting a good blend of it. It's not all behind scenes. It's not all up front. Um, so I've been a huge fan of that. Now I wanted to talk a little bit and kind of go into comics in a minute, but you've been from Crockett all the way through AEW. You've seen talent, Come and go through wrestling. Yeah. Who have you seen that you think should have been over that just never made it? Like who, what talent stands out to you that you, you know, if you could wave a magic wand and just go, they're over. 
Who would mm. you want to wouldn't have seen in the past or on right now? You 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 uh well I think right now and and I think right now you can you can look at uh, first of all I want to say that the most over talent in my lifetime the greatest talent in wrestling in my lifetime the number one wrestler in my lifetime has been Dr. Britt Baker DMD. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I've been Listen. watching a lot of the uh, the recent shows, and you've been really putting her over on a lot of these podcasts. Yes, she put over, she put over the comic too. So thank you, Doctor. Yeah, yeah, I have to. She's Oof. a Pennsylvania native, so we are fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. Talk about somebody her- living their gimmick. I mean, yeah, <laughs> turn to eleven. Her debut was amazing. It it really is as as and this is a true story. When our first uh, wrestler uh, interview came out on social media, I think it was at Ricky Starks, or it was Dust, it was Cody we first put out, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, as soon as the thing hit, she texted me. She said, why in the hell was I not first? <laughs> Jeez. Right, right. Probably the promo for the book, yeah. Right, right. And, and I said, yeah. And I said, uh, well, my dear, you had a match against Thunder Rosa that night. And every time I tried to talk to you, you were like worried about your match. So I was going to let you think about your match and then maybe we'll do it the next time. Around. Well, okay, but don't <laughs> let something like this. I said, okay, got it. Honestly, uh, in AEW, uh, we have guys, uh, the young guys that we have that to me are going to be over MJF. Like you mentioned, uh, Darby Allen, Jungle Boy, Sammy Guevara, those guys are, are going to be real big stars. Now, if I go back in, in time and, and think about some of the other guys who, who I don't know, I, and I don't know what, what over is. Uh, I know back then it was drawing money, okay? Uh, it was uh, getting big paydays and being uh, on a, a big main event card. Um, uh, I'm not so sure if I can really answer that because everybody I worked with was pretty much over uh, some guys more than with others. L- let me tell you one. Uh, and I just thought about it and it's because Conrad and I've been talking about on what happened when, and we were talking about this coming up on an episode and we were wondering why there was this wrestler. He's no longer with this name, pistol Pez Watley. You guys remember pistol Pez Watley at all uh, from I the clock days back in the eighties. Okay. Take uh, take a few moments to to watch some of Pistol Pez Watley stuff, his work and his and his promo. Uh, he uh, he was a babyface, and then he turned heel on Jimmy the Boogie Woogie Man Valiant, uh, and Jimmy called him the greatest black athlete in all of wrestling, and he got tired of hearing that because he thought he was the greatest wrestler in all of wrestling, and he attacked Jimmy Valiant, cut his hair, and Buddy. He, some of his promos were just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal promos. He called Jimmy Valiant the other day on TV. Well, it wasn't the other day. It was back in 86, but we saw it the other day on TV. An undercover hillbilly, which I thought was one of the greatest <laughs> lines ever. <laughs> you, under, you undercover hillbilly, you. And I just thought, man, how, how does people think like that? But I, I really, and we were also lamenting the fact that he's, he's, he's since passed. We didn't have a chance to talk to him. He was a talented son of a gun. So if I think there's one, one, it would be Pistol Pez Watley, who went on to become Shaska Watley, which is a funny story in itself, because when he turned heel, there was uh, there was this TV show, show called Shaka uh, the Zulu King, mm-hmm. Shaka's okay, Shaka and he said yeah, yeah, but whatever it was, and he said I'm going to rename myself Shaska the Zulu King. I said it's Shaka. He said that's right. <laughs> Shaska. I said, okay, buddy, go for it. <laughs> and uh, he was, listen, that kid was really, really talented. And I don't know, we, we wondered why he never got on with the big time WWE was working the Crockett promotion. But that's the one guy. And, I, and I'm glad you brought, asked that question. I'm glad it happened at this time because it's, it's Pistol Pez Watley, man. Just watch him do his stuff, man. Maybe face the heel interview. You can do it all. In the so. comments, we got Scott James saying, uh, superstar Billy Graham uh, is one he yeah, would have seen. That, that, that's good, Scott. But, but Billy Graham did have a pretty good run. You know, he was he wrestled Bruno Sammartino in, in the in the Garden, 
uh, and he wrestled for us probably on a smaller level, but Billy, Billy was a pretty big star. You know, they, they also had brought Billy Graham into mid Atlantic championship wrestling when Ric Flair was in his, and when he had his, his plane crash years ago and broke his back. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so they brought, uh, Billy Graham in to, to, uh, replace Ric Flair. And I always thought Billy was a very big star. So, but that's one. Yeah. That's, I, that, that's a, that's a good call. That's why I'm happy to, to see Seidel on AEW get the respect he deserves. Because yeah. I've been a fan of his since his early days, and right. him coming in as the athlete that he is, and you know the badass and the charisma that he has, seeing right. that kind of be presented in a respectful way—not a joke, not a a superhero flipping around—and right. and you know, not, right. not a one-trick pony, right? Seeing what this right. guy can do. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I think we. I, th- I think the fact that we have wins and loss records and we, we tout those, I think the fact we try to make it more of an athletic endeavor than just a show. Uh, and the fact that I don't think you're ever going to see a disqualification in one of our shows. Um, <laughs> I don't. I think you're going to see wins and losses because everybody that's, will lose and everybody will win. That's, that's one John thing Moxie, I really who's our biggest star, has lost you know, a, a couple of times to Kenny Omega. But he's still our biggest star. So yeah. right. that's I really appreciate the fact that there is a you know win loss record post right before every match. This is where they are. This is where they're in contention, and it's really great yeah. to see that. Yeah, I like that. I I wasn't sure how it would play, but I I really really like it. So it's really good. I mean, we we were talking about Frankie Kazarian, uh, and he's getting ready to wrestle here on TV tonight on Dynamite against uh, Christian Cage, and we talked about uh, and we will talk about it tonight. Uh, Kazarian's win-loss record, how many wins he has in AEW. And he's a veteran, and he, the wins mean a lot, and it means you've had a lot of matches and you've been able to be successful. So uh, they do mean a lot, and it gives it more of an athletic contest feel. And I, I hate to use his word, but there's another guy that I think is criminally, I don't want to say un, underrated, but maybe overlooked a little bit. Kazarian yeah. is another guy that, man, he's just a yeah. journeyman. He just goes and... I don't think I've ever seen a Kazarian match that I have not been no. impressed. I agree. Like, yeah, impressed. He's, he is so good. Yeah, well, the one he has with Christian Cage tonight is going to be phenomenal. Uh, and uh, they have worked together many, many times. They know each other very well. Yeah. And uh, I think you'll enjoy that. But I agree with Frank, uh, you about Frankie. Uh, but I never worked with Frankie until just recently. You know, so I never had a chance to work with him. And, and Frankie did most of his work when I was on that hiatus from wrestling. So I, I never saw his work and never saw Frankie wrestle until I, I got to AEW. And I know there's a lot of great Frankie Kazarian stuff out there. Yeah. Yeah. His impact run was great. And yeah, I mean, he's, 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 he's a beast. Yeah. He's my, that, that's my guy. Like someone like, man, <laughs> people sleep on him. Like a little too much sometimes till they see him and like, man, that guy's incredible. It's like, yeah, he's been incredible too. <laughs> you know? Well, you know, that's one thing we have done in AEW. We have taken the independent wrestler or a guy who has, you know, there've been a lot of guys who have, uh, have languished in, in, in the independent scene. We've taken them and we've kind of elevated their careers. And, uh, and that's great because, you know, independent wrestling, it's kind of, you know, went through a big resurgence. Uh, there's a lot of independent promotions out there. And I'm glad that we've given these kids a chance to, to be on, uh, be on television. Yeah, I want to want to reach back one minute on the book, and you know, it's doing so well. It's being you know produced a lot of backers right now. Has there been talks about a volume two? <laughs> uh, there has not, mm. uh, and uh, I don't know if uh, I'm I'm open for it. I I'm really thinking uh, that that this could open up. Uh, no, the, I mean, we're AEW. I, I'm not speaking for the company. AEW is a brand new company, uh, just getting its feet wet. But I think this could open up, uh, hopefully, maybe, maybe not, a, a flood of more wrestling comics out there. Because, you know, we do have superheroes, and uh, maybe, uh, it'll, maybe it'll, be, uh, it'll be worth it. Now, I don't know if outside of what I'm getting ready to tell on the, uh, in Butts and Seats, I don't know if there's anything left in my life that's worth talking about, <laughs> to be honest with you. Well, you got uh, your baseball you know, I can say, Tony, yeah. you know, to be fair, we were talking the other day, and, and you told a, a story about your, your youth. Because like, like Tony said earlier, we start this book when he's in high school. And 
I actually looked back through my notes. We did touch on this very early on in our discussions, but we didn't even really get into Tony's life with his parents or nothing. It starts with his Uncle John in, in high school. But the other day, you and I were talking, Tony, and um, you kind of made the passing comment about, gosh, we could do a whole other book about my, my 18 years in baseball. And it's like, oh, yeah, that that could be a yeah. thing. Because it's funny because in the book, I think we take that 18-year span and cover it in maybe a chapter and a half. Right. Yeah, because I was involved in with the Atlanta Braves right. uh, and, and the Gwinnett Braves, and I was involved with the Georgia Bulldogs, and, and I still am involved with the dogs. So there was a lot going on during that time that we really don't talk about and right. uh, a lot of things. I mean, I, I do have a lot of stories about minor league baseball. Now, I don't know if minor league baseball plays well or not. I do. I did travel with the Atlanta Braves some, um, not much, as I did with the minor league teams. But I do have stories from from that side of my life and uh, traveling with the, the broadcast teams and and with the Georgia Bulldogs and doing all that. And there's some funny things that happen, but nothing like what happened in wrestling. <laughs> that'll be a 22-page book. That'll be a single issue. Yeah, okay. Right, well, yeah, okay. It'll be. It'll be It'll be the thrifty nickel. Remember, uh, billable, yeah. billable, billable hours, hours is all you need. That's what I need. Uh, and <laughs> basically, what 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 Dirk is talking about the story the story of my love of baseball started back in 1969, and my love of baseball announcing started then. Back when I was in elementary school, it started, and I had a friend of mine across lived across the street from me who was blind and was a big baseball fan. And listen to baseball on the radio at night. And I would walk across the street and sit on his front porch in the swing. And he and I would listen to all the stations that we could pick up in our little small town in Virginia that were big time radio stations that would broadcast uh, their 50,000 watt signal, like the one in Cleveland, the one in Cincinnati, Atlanta, uh, sometimes New York City. We would pick up that. So we would just go back and forth along the dial and pick up these baseball games and listen to it. And that's where I fell in love with baseball and announcing baseball. And that's where I fell in love with being an announcer, too. So there's a story there and a story about how he and I, uh, you know, talked about baseball and how I tried to teach him the game, even though he had been blind since birth. And how that my love of baseball got me to the major leagues right on the edge of it. But wrestling took over. And um, it's because. Uh, Snatched you away at the last second, right? <laughs> Yeah, right. But because, you know, minor league, you, you, there's no way there's, I don't, I don't know how these, I don't know how these people do it. There's no way you can raise a family <laughs> on a minor league baseball salary. I just, I don't, it blows me away. So yeah, um, it, it, we tried it one time, but uh, it didn't work. And that, that, that visual just, oh my gosh, it's like, man, we got to maybe like put up another stretch goal that I can just do like that little a little stuff because again you know when tony tells these stories and, and the way this whole book came together was we would have these zoom calls with about five of us and, and we would you know pick a different part of tony's life for that chapter and talk about it and it gets to the point where i'm programmed as tony talks i start seeing like how it would lay out on a comic book page you know i, I don't draw i i can't even draw a crooked line all right i, I do not draw. <laughs> i was like like really good artist in first grade and then just never got better you know, but, but I, but I think in pictures and, and, and like Tony just telling the story, I was like picturing the illustration and you get a guy like a Sean Daly or something like that. And, you know, um, you know, Tony on the swing with his friend and listening to the old timey radio and stuff like that. And it's like, oh, oh, yeah. Uh, but the book's about the book's going to clock in probably a little shy I say about 140 pages, give or take. So this is going to be a tasty tome. It's a big book already. So I got to billable hours aside. You got to know when to say when. And just uh, we have the book. It tells the story. We got some good bonus stories in there. We got Ric Flair running around naked at one point. We got some good stuff where we got, you know, Chief Wahoo McDaniel in the bar fight. All the way up to the AW stuff. We're, yeah, we're good. Well, it's interesting for announcers and coming you know, living outside of Philadelphia, being a Phillies fan, uh, you tie the voice you grew up with, you know, to memories. And we're seeing a lot of people, and even myself, you know, hearing Tony's voice on AEW brings me back to watching wrestling all through my youth. Um, the same way that when I would hear Harry Callis, like my mind right. has just taken me to baseball. And uh, 
if you had the choice, if you were told AEW is the number one wrestling program in the world right now, or here's a major league baseball, you know, announcing job, would you be mm-hmm. able to pick between your two loves? Oh yeah, I would right now because I would pick between AEW. I would pick AEW. Let me tell you why. It's it's very simple. You cannot, at my age, put a price tag on being happy in your job and working for good people. And I work for a good person. Uh, Tony Khan is a great person, and a uh, he cares about people. He cares about us. Cares about the company. Uh, and I uh, I want to work for Tony Khan. Now, if the Khans would buy a baseball team, <laughs> maybe I'd, maybe I'd do that. But. Uh, but no, I, yeah, there'd be no question now. It, it, it would be it would be enticing. It would be enticing to say, hey, you, you're going to get to do Major League Baseball. Yeah, really? For how many years? And uh, am I going to be miserable? Am I going to work for a bunch of, of, of jack-offs? You know, uh, I don't know. I'm not working for one now, and it's worth every bit of it. I mean, I'm telling you, uh, Tony Khan uh, signed me to a three-year-plus a couple of years after that uh, deal, and uh, – it's it's a very good deal. It uh, takes care of my family, but the fact that that I can work for someone who is that good and that good of a person is worth its weight in gold, man. And so I would say no to 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 Major League Baseball right now. Okay. I really would. Plus, baseball kind of, and I've talked about this before. Baseball with all the propeller heads running it now, and uh, with a uh, with a commissioner that doesn't know is is ass from a hole in the ground. <laughs> Uh, it is really, really sucks right now. So I'm not so sure I'm in love with baseball anymore. Like I used to be. They, I mean, listen, Reggie Jackson's not playing baseball anymore. Uh, so I'm not so sure I love it as much as I do. <laughs> hey, being a Phillies fan, uh, Tom McCarthy, yeah. uh, one of the Phillies announcers, uh, one of the great guys in the business and one of the great voices in the business too. So, um, uh, I know Tom and I have a lot of, I have a lot, a lot of time for him. Plus I always said, they said, Tony, how do you want to die? So I want to die just like Harry Callis want to die in the booth, um, which I think that's how he died. Yep. Uh, yep. So Actually, I think he was cool. down. It was at the Braves, I believe. Was it? Was that Turner he Field? Was, he was, I believe it was at the Braves. Um, okay. Yeah. But it was in the booth. He went in and, and he passed. Yep. And it, you know, we went to the wow. World Series that year for him. But, right. Uh, how about that? No, Man, what an iconic way to go. <sighs> And we, and as much as T Mac is a professional and a great voice, when you go from mm-hmm. somebody like Harry Callis, no, you, you, it's yeah, I get it. Nobody's ever going to be there. Uh, but Tony Khan won me over, and he won my wife over. And it was one simple thing he did: is when Brody Lee passed, mm. that memorial one was the best I've ever seen. Crying the whole time, but two. The fact that he paid for the rights for that Johnny Cash song, so that yep. promo could be put up and you could watch it whenever you want, whenever you wanted to kind of go back and remember Brody. Mm-hmm. Like that's right. a class act that shows what we can tell as fans seeing that there's love in AEW. It's right. made by people for people that love professional wrestling. There have been a lot of wrestlers and a lot of their families who have fallen on hard times, be it either a death or a sickness or an illness. And, you know, uh, they put up this uh, uh, GoFundMe account, and, and Tony Khan has, fu- has put money into those accounts. And he didn't even know these people, but he knew that they were in wrestling, mm-hmm. and he's a good guy, and his heart is in the right place. We were in Salt Lake City, the famous night that we did our last Nitro uh, in front of fans. This is last March, right before every- everything went, went to hell with the pandemic. And Tony got everybody together that night. And he said, listen, he said, you, if you feel unsafe, he said, we have no idea what we're going to be doing from now on. He said, but we are going to be doing a show. He said, but if you ever feel unsafe about going to work, don't show up. You will not be, you will, uh, we will, you will always have a job here. If you're with us, this will not be looked upon you as, uh, shirking your responsibilities. If you feel unsafe. And that told me he, he really cared about the people. Um, so yeah, he's, he's first class kid, man. His parents should be very, very proud of the young man they raise. They really should. Yep. Now right. I guess we have that's, to that's a class act, you know, yeah. right. You know, especially when, and you know what, regime. one other thing, because people on Twitter really pissed me off a lot, <laughs> uh, 
to the point to where I, I really don't go on there anymore. But what pisses me off more than anything else on Twitter is if, if Tony will post something and he posts a lot on Twitter, thanks to the fans. If some jack off behind, uh, behind their keyboard will say something disparaging about Tony Khan and I'll, I, I, I fly off the freaking handle, uh, because it's just, it's just wrong. Just, they don't know him. So anyway, I thought that out there. Yeah, just remember, all, all social media is performance art. And you're right. People buying keyboards are much different than. Yeah, they're, they're brave. Very, yeah. very brave. Very brave. <laughs> I recently joined some AEW groups on Facebook just to, to see what it was like. And I had to leave them immediately. Just yeah. the negativity is so bad. Um, yeah. Speaking of negative, yeah. Dirk, got a question for you. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. You thought you were going. I hope the check Tony wrote you was worth it. And I mean Tony Schiavone, <laughs> not Tony, Tony Schiavone, not Tony Khan. Um, this book's a huge branch from your normal wheelhouse of horror. Right. How did the writing process for you change in writing this and two-parter? If it did, how are you, are you going to bring any of that back to your horror side? Uh, you know, and again, I don't want to repeat stuff I've said on, on, on other at other times, but as much of a wrestling fan as I am, loudly and proudly, you know, every time you and every time I've been with you guys, we talk wrestling, you know. And I know there's a lot of people that are like closet professional wrestling fans, and I've never been that guy. I wear it on my sleeve. I love professional wrestling. I love horror. I love ice cream. I love heavy metal. I love comic books. Uh, that's the that that's the the, the combo. That's Dirk Man. There you go. Roll that together. There's their mm -hmm. panning right there. So when I was approached by Mike Dawkins about writing this book with Tony, as much of a wrestling fan as I am, I really had to stop and consider, what, is this something that I would enjoy doing? You know, uh, it's a biography. You know, I, I write, I've written comics with real people in before. I did Legend of the Shaders with the Harp Twins. We did a one-shot comic. Um, I write Twisted Haunted Highons with Twisted, which, you know, mm. does very, very well. Volume 2 comes out later this year, was nominated for Ringo Awards, things like that. Very well received, even from the non-Juggalo community. People are figuring out that it's a fun book. But in both of those instances, the reason I bring those up, not just to put it over, is because they're fantasy or fictional versions of the characters. Mm -hmm. And, and doing, a, doing this book, doing Butts and Seats, with Tony, I knew this would be a, a real-life story. We weren't going to make Tony into a superhero. I mean, there, there's not much to work with there. You know? I mean, we, we could make a better superhero. Tony, don't worry. We'll, make, we'll make sure he puts a st superhero story in there for you. We'll give you, you the very cow. Much. We, that's, that's volume two. Yeah. I become a superhero. Right, right. <laughs> we, we could do better with making Bug a superhero, I think, quite frankly. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I mean, look at he bought, you know steals the show. <laughs> He's a little off camera. <laughs> He's getting his. Uh, I, I I do. I was worried that Bug had insomnia. He only slept twenty hours the other day, apparently. So I was. I was <laughs> yeah. No, but um, I was worried because you know you only have so much time to work on the books, and 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 obviously twenty twenty just wiped everything out. No one knew what was going on on any level with twenty twenty. So when, as 2020 started, and I was approached by doing this book, what I told Mike Dawkins was, I'll have the sit down with Tony, we can meet. And I told him, I said, if I'm not the right fit for this book, I will find someone who is. Because I knew that this would be a book that would do well. You asked earlier if we expected it to do, gosh, we just crossed $104,000 in 15 days, which is blows my mind. But I knew there was a story here. I knew there'd be someone that would really enjoy this. And meeting Tony... He, you know, he's a, he's a humble guy. He's a good guy, uh, genuine person. And to me, the story wrote itself because a lot of people in entertainment really start to believe their own hype. You know, um, hell, I've been accused of believing my own hype, which, you know, people that don't know me think you have I, hype. Yeah. 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 It depends. Yeah. It's all, it's all about our perspective, right? <laughs> you know, to some, to somebody on the sidelines, I have a big super hype. You know, but um, Tony never believed his own hype. And to me, the story of, I don't want to say fictional Tony, because that's not accurate. 
but the character of Tony in the book, which is Tony, I mean, this is, there's not fiction in this book, it's real, but maintaining that every man idea. And here's this every man character, this kid who grew up watching Ric Flair to hanging out with Ric Flair and, and the star struck, like when he gets first to interview Ric Flair, you know, and, um, that was a fascinating story to me, you know, um, yeah. to, to, to drill down specifically in your question, did it change anything? Not necessarily. Um, I knew this had to be an entertaining story. And the question to me, this sounds so pretentious, but as a writer was, where's the story? And the story was in this case, not a guy fighting monsters or a guy hunting ghosts or a guy living in some crazy alternate parallel reality or whatever. Well, not directly, I suppose. But, you know, but, but I guess to an extent, you know, now that I say that out loud, it kind of was like, here's this guy who lives in this larger than life world and us getting to view that world through his eyes. And then the disenfranchisement that came with it and getting out of it and then coming back into it and being celebrated. It's just, I guess I'm so cliche to say this, and, and Tony, I hate to say this, kind of want to make you blush. It's really like the American Dream story. It's the all-American story. Yeah. Oh, shocks. But it is. You know, well, you you, yeah. you 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 went from admiring something to getting to work in it to being a very mm -hmm. powerful force in that industry, and that's that that's the all-American story. You know, I mean, and it and it, it was just a fascinating story to write. Um, the other piece of that, real quickly, was. When I knew we were going to break the story into 10 chapters, the 10 kind of segments or 10 main parts of Tony's career and life, I knew I wanted to do an anthology style because I wanted to highlight 10, use 10 different artists to highlight the 10 different chapters. Um, I love writing like that. I love writing a story for DJ Kaufman differently than I do Josh Ross, differently than I do Jan Apple or Sally Scott or uh, a guy like Colm Griffin, who I've never worked with before, or Liz Garner, who I wanted to work with forever, you know. Um, and on and on and on it goes. Um, so it was fun to bring that aspect of writing I taken from horror anthologies and apply it to a feel-good story. About okay, we're going to put Scott James on this chapter because this is the big bombastic wrestler chapter, and that's what he does. And and we're going to put John Marroquin on this chapter because we want that realistic feel. So it was it was fun, you know, and it was fun to do this. You know, I, I, my, my goal is always anybody that picks up a Dirk Manning book can see that Dirk Manning wrote it. And, and I think we're going to see that yet again and see my passion for this story come through just like we do when I'm writing about monsters cutting people's faces off and eating them or, or wow. the crazy stuff. That's nice. They see that Dirk Manning wrote it and they buy it anyway. <laughs> that is, that is, that was the real goal here. <laughs> right. Well, we can turn me into a zombie. <laughs> it wouldn't be a stretch and i could eat the brains of all the wrestlers uh, you, look, you know what you know what you know steve what happened is you got this the, the sequel idea you know tony's been fine he was good with a one and done we yep. get on this i needed i needed billable hours right i need my cut I'm right, percent. Yeah, right, right. You know, and, and that's the thing. You know, billable hours only go so far. Like Tony said, it's like I, I, I've turned down plenty of gigs because I just wouldn't have fun doing it. But uh, you can pay me in AEW tickets. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> that that ten percent, Tony's just getting smaller and smaller every time. You know, that's how that works. <laughs> Uh, speaking of, I just want to jump back to, uh, to AEW briefly. Um, a week or two ago, there was this match. And uh -huh. when you talk about... which match you go talk about. When, the Lights Out match. Now, okay. when you talk about family, there was a video post on YouTube about after the match, seeing how well received everybody was in the, in the, you know, the back room. Right. I'm curious, you know, your thoughts on that match and where that kind of fits in, you know, the long, long, long list of, of matches that you've seen through the years. Well, it's going to go down as one of my most memorable uh, for a number of reasons. Uh, number one, because, you know, Britt is my friend. Uh, we, we stay in touch with each other during the weeks that we don't have our shows. Uh, I legitimately have a, I legitimately care a lot about her because she really is a good person. Uh, even though she doesn't play one on TV. And so we've become good friends. And I knew that 
I knew how concerned she was for this match, how worried she was about this match. Not necessarily worried about the carnage and is she going to get hurt. I know that had to come into mind, but she was worried about how it would be received and if, in fact, that she and Thunder Rosa could pull off a match of this caliber. Hmm. And the fact that she did, I was very, very proud of her and Thunder Rosa. And I, and I like Thunder Rosa and I have been very good friends for a long, long time, too. I've, I met her at an independent wrestling show back in Staten Island uh, back a number of years ago before AEW was even born. So I've known her and stayed in touch with her. So I have a lot of, have a lot of good feelings about both these ladies. But the way they pulled it off... Uh, and the way it, the way these, they just, they elevated their game. I, it's going to go down. It's probably not going to be the greatest match I've ever called, but it's going to be one of the top 10 mm -hmm. that I've ever witnessed. And I, I go back to this. I've said it many times. And I told them after the show, because after the show, Britt was, you know, she was cut. She had all these, uh, thumbtacks in the back. She was bleeding and Thunder Rose was bleeding. And, and, you know, you saw that in the back. And she went back to the doctor and had those thumbtacks pulled out. And I was standing there with her. I walked down. If you saw in the video, I walked down to ringside after it was all over and was standing there when they pulled her up out of the table and her and Thunder Rosa walked back. I, was, I walked down to see how they were doing because I was really concerned. But I, I, I just really think that, uh, that she was, that it, it became one of those matches. And this is when I know a match is good. When I cease to become an announcer and I start becoming a fan. Mm -hmm. And I get caught up in how great the match is. And all of a sudden, man, I'm like, wow, this is awesome. And that, that's what I try to uh, portray to the fans, that I'm a fan like you. So it's awesome. Mm -hmm. And that was one of those matches that I, all of a sudden I wasn't calling the match. I was just kind of reacting to what I was seeing. And I thought it was awesome. Um, they, uh, and I got in touch with uh, Britt the next day. And I said, how does it feel that to know, because it was taped, I didn't feel to know that you're going to become a major TV star by next Wednesday. She's all shut up. I said, no, really? You're really, you and you and Thunder Rosa really set the bar pretty high. And uh, I just, the fact that they were really kind of inexperienced in something like that and went for it and did such a phenomenal job, it's always going to resonate with me. Yeah, that I'm, match I'm like, was it, amazing. Sorry. Yeah, it was amazing. And, and Tony, if you, if you don't want to answer this, that's fine. I don't mean to put you on the spot. A match like that, how much do you know about the match going in? Uh, well, I didn't. I just knew there I knew there were going to be thumbtacks. Mm -hmm. And I knew there was going to be a ladder. And I knew there were going to be tables. Right. I didn't know who was going to win. Okay. And I didn't know to what extent. I didn't know what the spots were going to be, right. put it that way. Right, right. I didn't know how they were going to do the thumbtacks. I didn't know how they were going to do the ladder. I didn't know what was. I just knew it was going to be crazy. Right. And I didn't know what the finish was. So uh, I knew some of the, as Dusty Rhodes used to like to say, the plunder that was going to be involved. Uh, but I, I didn't know exactly what direction it would take. So when you talk about so, being a fan, that's legit. You just, you know, it's kind of like seeing the previews for a movie, like Godzilla Kong. Right. Godzilla's going to be in a, right. going to be in a whatever. And, yeah. Yeah. Those, I, mean, those, but I apologize, gentlemen. I just, I just had to know. That was my follow up. So. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. Those two put on a show, even for the uh, restaurant quality picture in picture, I was, <laughs> I was getting up and looking and uh, like normally I'll kind of pay attention. Right. But for that, I was like for pay to have this match commercial free. It was that good. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And I immediately, as soon as it was over texted anybody, if you weren't watching that match, you need to, because it was that good. Um, yeah, it was. And I hadn't and, felt yeah. that completely invested into a match. The world disappeared in a long time, especially with not having fans in the you know arena, like in having limited right. fans. You didn't care. Like they were putting on yeah. and telling such a story mm -hmm. that just built. everything disappeared. It just kept building. It was building. an emotional thing. It was an emotional thing afterwards. And I think you guys saw on the YouTube video yep. how both girls walked in the back and they everybody applauded them. It shows the camaraderie we have backstage and how much we really care about each other. And it was a very, very emotional moment for those girls and for me when I, you know, I was back there too, clapping uh, and just thinking, man, you know, great job, ladies. God, we love the sport and we love when, when things come together and, and how things work. And it was, so it was a very emotional moment for all of us to be involved in that match. And, uh, I just, uh, I'm really, really glad I was a part of it. And I think 
what kind of says it all about that match in a way, you know, we have this open to dynamite that we, if you, if you watch that open to dynamite closely, they change the scenes in that open a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, they immediately, the very, the following week, put a scene of Britt Baker crawling on her hands and knees with a face full of blood, smiling at the camera with her face being bloody. And I told her, I said, do you know you're on the new open? She said, no. I said, yes, you need to see it. Your bloody face smiling is on the new open. So, uh, that, that to me just sold the entire moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it wasn't, it wasn't just cause there was color. It was more than that. It was, you saw them put their hearts into that ring. Right. And, and leave it there. Whether there's haters and everybody's got or their own group of haters or where they were living up to somebody else's expectations. They didn't care. They went in for them. Yeah. They went in for AEW, which I think is the biggest thing. Everybody in that production in that company seems to be just wanting to elevate everybody else around them. That's right. That's right. And that's what makes a good, that's what makes a good company. And that's what makes a good team. And that, um, yeah, you know, that's true in comics yeah. as well. You know, truthfully, you know, I mean, again, to me that the pair the Venn diagram between wrestling and comics, it's pretty big in the fandom. And, and I guess Tony, I'd be curious, you know, you can kind of shut me down. If you think I'm talking to my ass on this, but the Venn diagram, even in the work, the the style and the delivery of the work is there too storytelling passion putting each other over you know i mean one of the things i've, I've been very open about with, the, with this book is bringing in 10 hand-picked artists to put them over on this book and then to put tony over sure. and to put the book itself over to put source point press over and right. and you go in and you invest in the storytelling and you look out for each other and you put each other over and in the end you can tell when it's passionate you can tell when someone's invested in doing it Versus right. you have an artist, you know, one of the first comics I ever read was The Crow by James Omar. And one of the most influential books I've ever read, period. And I always say one of the things with uh, The Crow with James Omar is you can tell that guy was bleeding on the page, man. Yep. Everything he drew, every line, I mean, you could just, the, the, the catharsis in that book is palpable. And, and I think in comics, you can tell when people are having fun with their drawing and fun with their doing, as opposed to when some of the bigger, the corporate comic companies, and I'm not crapping on corporate comics, I mean, whatever, but you can tell when they get a, a guy who's just hacking it out for the check, the billable hours, you know, the billable pages. Um, the pa- passion rises through, I think, in everything, whether it be in wrestling, whether it be in comics, music, announcing. You know, yep. and we have that Venn diagram, you see, and it's weird. I, I keep telling the other host of Fireside that couldn't be with us, like wrestling comics, they're intersected. If you look at Lucha Libre, there's comics about those wrestlers. There's movies, there's TV shows. We don't have it as much in the U.S., um, maybe because of kayfabe not being as big here as it is still there. But if you had to for the sequel for butts and seats that I'm getting a cut of. Um, if you had to pick three seats, the number two in the center, butts two seats. If you had to pick a few wrestlers to make these superheroes in there, who would you guys want to have in the book as a caricature superhero of themselves? And what would their powers be? And I know you're going to start with Brit. So we'll, we'll give her her powers. Yeah. Uh, okay. We'll start with Brit. Cause I've got to, uh, and if I don't, it'll get back to her and I'll never hear the end of it. Um, I think, uh, I always thought, uh, to me, and I was talking to Conrad about this just again, the, uh, the other day, it's amazing how these, these, uh, these subjects come up. We were talking about the big stars, the presence that they had, the presence that they had. One of the, to me, one of the greatest presence that we have is John Moxley. Just when John, it just, I mean, he just, he oozes when it. he comes out, it just, yeah, he oozes it. Uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was the same way, man. Mm-hmm. Man, what a presence he had. And those are the big stars. Sting had that. Obviously, Sting with the face paint would be, would be one that you could make into a, a, you know, a star, uh, a, a superhero. Uh, Hulk Hogan was a superhero. That's what they, that's what they envisioned back in the 80s. Mm-hmm. A bigger-than-life superhero. Yeah. He even had a cartoon, right? <laughs> you know, right. Hulk Hogan's rock and wrestling. So, uh, but, but he would have been, uh, Cody would be a superhero. Kenny Moxley would be a great superhero. The young bucks will be a great superheroes. Uh, 
And I know what you're saying. Oh, you're putting over all the EVPs on your company. <laughs> Damn straight I am, you dumbasses. Okay, you haters out there. Okay, uh, so, uh, but yeah, those those guys. But then there's there's Darby Allen, right? The anti-hero. Mm-hmm. I mean, do, doesn't he? I mean, Darby Allen would be a great character for one of your horror books. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I would think. I would Darby. read a Darby oh. Allen comic immediately. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And, and I'll, tell you, right. I'll tell you who else, too. You know, I mean, Darby Allen is great. Um, even from, his, you know, I first discovered him in um, Lucha Underground, which was just a smidge ahead of its time, a smidge mm-hmm. ahead of its time as a pro- promotion with the cinematic storytelling mm-hmm. stuff. But I love, who you know, you know, Penta, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And Ray Phoenix. Yeah. They're and Ray Phoenix. Right. Oh, my gosh. Right. The, the stories they had in, 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 in Lucha Underground, but just as characters and, and, and that charisma. And I'll tell you the other mm-hmm. one. And, and, I mean, and MJF is obviously a, a, a super Lex Luthor. <laughs> right, he's Lex Luthor through and through. Yeah. But I'll tell you the one, the other one I would love to do. And, you know, Tony and I talked about, you know, oh, just open up the door to do more comics. Uh, I would, I would love 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 to do more of a superhero style book with orange cassidy mm-hmm. i i think the the potential there and, and again people peg me as a horror guy and it's ironic that uh you know the first major award nomination i got was writing a humor book you know but i but i like to inject humor you know whether it be through nightmare world or cthulhu jr or haunted Highlands, whatever but i i think the potential for uh, a funny superhero-ish book with Orange Cassidy, with no uh, words. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it, be, it could almost be. It'd be like uh, you know, like spy versus spy. You know, you know, co- combined. Right. I, I don't like to give away my ideas, but combined, combined spy versus spy with Mister Magoo. I hope. Oh, I hope uh, Mike Dawkins is watching this, Mike. You need to trademark everything we're talking about right now. <laughs> right, right. Preemptively. <laughs> and Bill, Bill Dirk. <laughs> that's fine because i'm billing tony because that was your gift to me is to start billing tony by the hour so this is a work expense um hey I'd, I'd like to think that there there are more comic books uh, I, look we talk about tony shawana the comic book fan and this whole room that i'm in is, is called the bat cave i was a comic book reader when i was very young and then of course i started to grow up in mm-hmm. sports and everything and i broke away from it a little bit so and i and i've not been into independent comics at all because that's not what i grew up on i grew up on you know the uh the dc and the marvel universes and uh but uh i'm i mean i'm back into it big time now and uh i i would would love to you know do something more with comics moving forward i really would i don't know if i'm the great idea guy uh, i probably have some ideas what we could do but i think there's a lot of things that we can do I think uh, mm-hmm. we can get you I, to I just, narrate uh, the audio comic. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Well, luckily, there's an audio luckily, comic. Luckily, Tony, you know a good editor, so it'll be. Yeah, <laughs> and and I do want to say this. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but when when DC Universe came out, uh, and I know you know since then that they've with HBO Max things have changed. But when DC Universe came out, they had all the comics you know on their site. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, I can't read a comic book on a on a video screen. Off camera, I'm going to show you. I'm going to tell you how I read comics now. It's going to change your okay. change your life. Um, Comicsology okay. and on the big screen TV, panel by panel. I can't go, yeah. but we're going to have to wrap up in just a minute. Yeah. Dirk, here's I'm going to give you a pitch for you and Tony. Crossover right. comic, Twisted High mm-hmm. High Ions with Penta and Ray crossover. Mm. Oh my gosh, in a second. In a second. I mean, we can work that Tony writes right itself. It. We can work Tony Giovanni right into the book, whether, you know, easily. Tony's house is haunted. <laughs> Ray and Penta are there trying to help out. You know, Twisted shows up. The Hilarity night. ensues. Oh, yeah. gosh. But before we wrap up, <laughs> where can people find this Kickstarter to get all of these amazing... Uh, stretch goals and books and to see Tony with his Captain America pose and his gold championship belt. You know, Tony, I'm always the one that puts over the website, you know, may, you know, you want to, you want to cut a promo on the, uh, the putting over butts and seats comic.com. Yes. Hi fans. Tony Shivani here. Thanks for being with us. And I'd like to let you know that we have a great deal for you. We have so many stretch goals now that pretty soon I'm going to have to give a pint of blood. 
and another stretch goal. So if you want to help me give a pint of blood, go to Butts in Seats Comic. That's Butts in Seats Comic. One word. That's comic, not comics. ButtsInSeatsComic.com. And you can sign up for the Kickstarter and be on the front line of one of the greatest comic books in the history of this great sport. I, you, I don't know how to... Can't and after that, thank you, Dirk. <laughs> we can find you at your newly launched website soon. DirkManning.com is now up and active. Uh, Facebook, Instagram, Lord help me, even Twitter, at Dirk Manning. <laughs> mm. Uh, and as always, you can find the Fireside crew at welcome to Fireside.com. Welcome to Fireside pretty much everywhere except for Twitter, where we're Fireside crew. Thank you, Mashko, for joining me. Thank you, Tony. Thank you, Dirk. As always, I'm Mr. Mauer. And, I'm Mashko. Uh, you know, let's, let's, let's say it. It's Tony. Oh, my God. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank you.